Pastor. Thank you. Okay, let's turn to Judges chapter number 14, please. If you find that in your Bible, we'll start there tonight. Uh, Good to be amongst uh, so many who are friends and uh, people that we have been honoured to uh, labour with over many years. Uh, If you're a pastor of a local church, uh, you have my uh, greatest uh, respect and uh, personal admiration. I uh, was in the role myself for a number of years and uh, I just... uh, have a particular heart for pastors. I think it's very hard for people to understand all that a pastor carries uh, unless you're actually in that role. Uh, I've talked to men who have been assistants in churches for many, many years and then one day became the guy. And uh, even they say uh, how different it is uh, once you're actually sitting in that chair. Uh, Pastors are often misunderstood uh, a pastor cannot come up and say, uh, look, about that thing that somebody said about me this week, let me just set that straight. Uh, and here's something you don't know about them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, uh, they can't do that. And uh, they're not at liberty many times to answer their critics. And uh, it, it's a difficult role. If you're pastoring a local church in Australia, God bless you. Uh, you're a VIP in my book, and uh, I, uh, I do esteem you, and uh, we're, glad, we're glad you're here. Uh, if you're a member of a local church, uh, support your pastor and uh, do your part. Uh, everybody's not called to that role, uh, but everybody's called to serve the Lord. And uh, I believe that tonight we have a group of people here. Uh, I don't think you're here tonight to play games or mess around. I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, I think you've come here tonight with sincere intent to seek the Lord. Uh, I'm sure that uh, if you hear from the Lord tonight uh, or over the next few days, that you'll leave here really grateful for that. Uh, I believe that you're the kind of person that even if God said something that was, uh, uh, shall we say, on the negative side, uh, maybe a little rebuke or a chastening or a stirring, uh, I believe that most of the people here tonight would even thank the Lord for that. Because isn't it a privilege when he even talks to us about anything? Isn't Isn't it a wonder when God has something personal to say to you? And he finds you, you know, and he, and he finds you and he, and he doesn't overlook you and he doesn't go past you. And he comes to you and he says it in a way that what he says, you know in your heart, nobody could say that to me who doesn't absolutely know me intimately. And he does. And so uh, we are looking over the next few days to uh, just receive from the Lord uh, whatever we should uh, I, uh, I pray that uh, in my small contribution that the Lord would, uh, would use that and I pray the Holy Spirit would encourage you. Much has changed in Australia. I think you know that. 
I don't think that we have to second guess the direction the nation is going in. I think, I think we can all see that. And uh, I think that there's never been a more important time for the Lord's people to double down on their faithfulness. And uh, just, just, you know, just decide that come what may, you're going to be there in the end. And just, just decide, come what may, what others might do or might not do in the church. Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I believe that, that we need to do that. I love the local church. Uh, in 1986, I was in Brisbane. I was born in Brisbane. Uh, my mum uh, had me when she was 16 years old. Uh, she, she had married the day before that I was born. So it was kind of birthed in travail, and I won't get into all of that. Some of you know my story. But I was born about uh, 20 minutes away from here and uh, grew up uh, probably about 15 minutes away from here, spent a lot of my years in Brackenridge and uh, did life there. And uh, somebody found me for Christ in the housing commission area of Brackenridge. And I'm thankful for those people who came uh, and preached Christ. And I hope you've never forgotten who it was that spoke to you about Christ. And so I uh, got saved, uh, began my walk with the Lord. In 1986, I was going through a crisis of not knowing where to go to church. Uh, people in other countries don't always understand that we don't have the same amount of choices that a lot of other places have. You know, there just are not churches just everywhere on every corner here preaching the gospel. And uh, I was in a particular transition. God had done something in my life. And so I begin to fast and pray. And uh, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as an independent Baptist. I had no idea, you know, I think I may have heard of Baptists, but I certainly didn't know anything about an independent Baptist. I began to fast and pray, and uh, after a period of a few days of fasting and praying, and I remember saying to God, Lord, I I'm desperate for you to show me where I'm to go to church. And it'd be good if a few more people got desperate about being in church, by the way, but uh, just you show me where to go to church, and uh, through a series of circumstances, uh, God led me to a meeting that took place uh, on this property. It wasn't in this building and things did not look uh, quite like this, but, but on this property, uh, God led me to this place, this local church, and uh, so many good things have come to me through the local church. So God placed me here in this place. Uh, it, was, uh, it was here I met my wife, uh, one of the greatest blessings of my life. Uh, I never knew that I was going to come back here one day as a senior pastor. And July the 5th, 1995 was my first Sunday here uh, as the, uh, the senior pastor of Good Shepherd Baptist Church. It wasn't in this building, it was in another building and, and uh, the numbers were uh, not quite what they are tonight. Uh, but God, God has just done wonderful things. I was sitting in the pew on the right-hand side of where I am in the second row when God told me to go to Thailand. It happened just over there. You know, if you'll, if you'll get in church, 
And if you'll be in church more than just physically, you might be surprised what it is God is waiting to say to you. And, and he often uses the venue of the local church to say specific things to people. And so, so it's an important meeting tonight. Uh, the next few days will be important. It'll be important for you when you go back to church in your place. But let's, uh, let's do our best to receive of the Lord. Judges chapter 14 is where I'd like to start. I want to read a few verses here, uh, explain something as best I can, and then I plan to go over to Luke chapter 13 and make an application. I'm sure you agree with me that everything in the Word of God is intended for us. Uh, I, I don't read the Bible thinking that somehow some of it's just a filler, you know, to sort of get to something else. Uh, God has put everything we need in the Word of God and everything in the Bible does mean something to all of us, but it does mean something to you. And uh, it may not be that on every occasion God reveals something particular to you from a particular passage. Many of us have had the experience of coming back and having read something the sixth time, suddenly it leaps out and there it is. Uh, God says something particular to us. So uh, Judges chapter 14, it can seem a little strange, some of the things in Judges, but uh, verse number 5, I want to look at an event here or, or introduce the thought by an event here that took place in the life of Samson. Um, I'll read a few verses and then I'll uh, give you a, a little bit of uh, explanation on what I think maybe some of the types could be here, but... Verse 5 says, Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath, and behold, a young lion roared against him. Now, uh, understand, please, as this event took place, it certainly was God, uh, but it was so much God that uh, the Holy Spirit decided this needs to be in the Bible because what happened here, people need to know because what happened here is going to help them. And so, so not everything that happened in every prophet or judge's life is in the Bible. There are, there are many things that would have happened that were probably great in the day, but they're not in our Bible. So when God selects certain things and says, put that in the Bible, it's certainly there for a reason. So uh, uh, he goes down, this uh, lion comes out in the vineyard, verse number six, and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Uh, verse number eight, I won't dwell on the lady for now. And after a time, he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat, but he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. 
Now that, that might seem a bit strange, but, but let me tell you, it's very God. And uh, there's a revelation of God right there. And there's a revelation of <coughs> how God does things. And there's a, a revelation of a part of God's working that this is not the first time it's been revealed. And so as you look at the story, just let me point out a few things. Uh, in verse 5, the event took place in the vineyard. All right, this was not something just on the road somewhere. Uh, it's noted here. The Holy Spirit said you need to tell them that. And uh, it was uh, as you came to the vineyard. Now, the vineyards in the Bible are the places of the Father's work. You could say that. Uh, the vineyards in the Bible are the places of fruitfulness, of fruitfulness. And uh, the lion roars against him as he enters the place of fruitfulness. <coughs> so the lion here, it would be reasonable to say, would, would picture our enemy uh, who seeketh whom he may devour uh, and uh, confronts us uh, when we set about wanting to be fruitful or set about wanting to do something for God. And the more you want to do for God, the more opposition you'll face. And uh, so that happens to him. And verse number six, the Holy Spirit points out a few things here. Uh, he tells us that Samson had, had nothing in his hand. And you'll see that about... Uh, the latter part there of verse number six. And uh, what we can understand from that is that of himself, he had no uh, human strength or no weaponry. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't, there was no, no, uh, no worldly capacity to respond to that situation. He didn't have a weapon. Uh, he, God said, note it down, he had nothing in his hand. Uh, of himself, there was nothing. And then uh, verse number six again, uh, the spirit of the Lord uh, came mightily upon him. And so the spirit of God comes into the situation and uh, does uh, his work there, takes control of that event. Uh, and uh, uh, the lion is slain and, uh, and rent. And, you know, you, you kind of look at that like, well, okay, uh, okay. And then uh, verse number eight, uh, Samson returns to that same place. And notice the beginning at verse number eight. It says that after a time, and uh, that's an important statement because it's needful sometimes. Usually a period of time elapses before what happens here takes place. There usually has to be a time gap between the event and what comes out of the event. And so after a period of time, he goes back and uh, finds the carcass there of the lion and what has happened is bees have made uh, their nesting place in there, uh, bees swarm, by the way, and, uh, and from that uh, there is honey. All right, now I believe, I believe 
that what the Lord is sort of teaching us here uh, is that from a carcass, and a carcass, by the way, is not a good thing. Uh, Carcasses smell. Uh, Carcasses have to do with death. If there is no death, there is no carcass. And so to have a carcass, there has to be a death. And uh, so from this event uh, of the carcass and, uh, and the death, uh, seemingly something that you would bypass, uh, you, you would just consider to be of no value or no gain. But uh, from this, this death, this carcass has suddenly emerged uh, something very sweet and pleasing. And Samson takes that, that honey and uh, first of all he uh, consumes it himself in verse number 9 and, uh, and then he gives to his father and mother and uh, they enjoy that honey also. Now I, I think the picture here is God's ability to take something uh, that may have been a death or look like a death, and certainly it was a carcass. And from that, when the Spirit of the Lord gets involved in that, he has this ability to bring forth something from it that you would not expect. He has an ability to bring forth something very sweet uh, that is nourishing uh, to others. Now, certainly... The cross is a picture of that. Uh, The cross where our saviour went to death. And, uh, you know, I sometimes think in our culture, one of the things that I guess Thailand has helped me to understand is how other parts of the world look at things that in not the same way that we do. And, And I think sometimes we don't understand the view that others have about some of the things that we would read about. So a carcass to somebody who lives on a farm or lives a rural life is a very real thing. And uh, typically they, 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 they smell, it's an association of death, it's not a good thing. And, uh, and to think that something good could come out of that is just frankly unusual and surprising. When people think about the cross of Christ, we think about it as something we glory in. We sing songs about the cross. Uh, You don't have in your mind a negative perception about the cross. Now, you know what it was, and you know our Saviour died on the cross, but, but, but believe me, you don't think about the cross the way a lot of people in the world do. One of the most uh, difficult obstacles we have in reaching Thai people for Christ is that when they find out he died on a cross, there's an awkward discomfort because they have been taught a cross is an abominable way to die. And uh, and, uh, being in a culture that has practised executions for thousands of years and understand the whole concept of executing someone, their idea of a cross is that it's a very bad thing. And, and, and I'm talking about unsaved ties. 
And, and, and many of the monks will monopolize on that and they will teach Thai young people. They will say uh, literally this, and I've had Thais say this back to me. They will say, Jesus was a bad man and you can know that because he died a bad death on a cross. And that's very convincing to a lot of people. The thought that someone would die on a cross in their mind, that's just a, a very bad thing. Okay, I'm trying to get that into your mind so that you can see from the cross and, and the death on the cross, something very sweet came forth to us. Amen? <laughs> our salvation, uh, our forgiveness, uh, 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 the love of our Saviour was manifested on the cross. And, and God took something that was very bad and, and frankly looked really bad to the people who were looking on. And from that thing that was very bad, God brought forth something that was very good. And it became very sweet to us. And, and I'm trying to say that, that what happened on the cross is somewhat pictured here by what happened with Samson. And the focus I want you to see, it's really on God, that this is typically something that God does. God takes things that are, that are bad, and he has this ability when he gets involved. In fact, it can be nourishing. And it was nourishing to, to Samson. And it was uh, sweet and nourishing to his family. But the Bible says <coughs> that he did not tell his parents where he got that honey from. And the reason if he had told them, I have this honey for you, I got it out of a rotting carcass, they would, they would not have enjoyed it. They, they may not have received it. Uh, it, would, it would not have strengthened them because they would have had a problem receiving it. But that's the way that God did it. All right, so, so, so this is a little revelation of just kind of how God does something here in, uh, in Judges. Now, God has done this again and again and again. Uh, God did it in the greatest way with our salvation. Uh, people talk about the, 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 the tragedy of the fall and talk about how awful it was that Sin came in and we fell, and it was awful. It's responsible for much suffering, heartache, death, hell, many things. But do you understand God took what was the worst event in human history and turned it into the greatest blessing that anybody could have received? Do you understand tonight if we were assembling in a world without sin, the greatest that anybody here tonight could be would be a son of Adam. Your, your highest level would be as a son of Adam. But God took the fall and didn't just restore you to being a son of Adam. He elevated you to become a son of God. And, and, and I'm trying to show you that's his pattern. That's his way. That's what he does. And I want you to turn to Luke chapter 13, because I'd like to make it a little personal. 
And uh, it's good to see that that happened uh, in, uh, around uh, Samson. But I want to kind of bring it back to you a little bit here. In Luke chapter 13, I'm saying there's an identifiable working the way that God works is to take some bad things and get himself on that and turn it into something exceedingly sweet. Now, because honey came out of a carcass didn't mean it wasn't a carcass anymore. It still was a carcass. But God brought forth something out of that. God's not asking you to, to call a bad thing a good thing because he uses it for a good thing. And we stumble about right there because somehow we feel if I acknowledge that this awful thing that I'm thinking about right now could have had any outworking or good or could have led to any good in my life, somehow I might be saying that that thing was good. Are you understanding that? But we're not saying that thing was good. We're saying good God took a bad thing, a smelly thing, a stinky thing, and did something and from it produced something very sweet. Okay, in Luke chapter uh, 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 13, it's a parable here <coughs> from verse number 6. <coughs> and I'll read it and then we'll try to think about ourselves. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And I want you to notice the dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after, then thou shalt cut it down. Uh, I believe that this parable, I, I, I think it could apply to Israel. I think there's some application there. I think there's some application to the people who were alive in that day and uh, were maybe not recognising their saviour. But I certainly think there's application for us also. And I believe that the certain man being referred to in verse number six is God. Okay, many places in the Bible, people are likened to trees. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Well, I didn't see that. You don't look. <laughs> I can tell you, many, many places, God, by choice, God, 
likens us to trees in many places. So, so the, the certain man comes to the, uh, the vineyard and he has an expectation here that there should be fruit on his tree. It's not enough for this man that the tree is just in the garden because the vineyard is the place of labour. Son, today go work in my vineyard. The vineyard is the place of fruitfulness and there's an expectation that the trees that are there should be producing fruit. So this is a picture of us. And, uh, and uh, he comes, he looks. Uh, it's a reasonable expectation. Uh, Jesus told us that herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. Uh, that's, a, that's a tree analogy. And so shall you be my disciple. So, so the man comes and uh, he looks and he goes to a particular tree uh, you'll notice uh, uh, that apparently the owner of this vineyard uh, uh, notices every tree in that place. And he's observed that there's a tree there, and I don't know if he said anything before, but this wasn't the first time he saw it. And uh, finally he had waited, and uh, he had waited, and uh, finally he comes and he said, you know, this, this tree here, I have come looking for fruit again and again, and uh, it is not here. Uh, and so the owner of that place, at the recommendation of his worker, uh, consents, in verse number eight, to have it dunged. Now, you understand what dung is? Okay, we don't use the word dung but we do use another word that has the same amount of letters. <laughs> I don't use that word, uh, but it's in common usage. And you know what I'm saying. That, uh, people in Australia don't say bull dung. They say something else. Uh, people in Australia don't say it's as worthless as dung. They have other expressions. But I'm trying to say to you, the culture well understands what dung is. And dung is considered the lowest of the low. I I don't want to be graphic, but, but, you know, people have a way, particularly Aussies, of making a point about something when they think it's just worth nothing. They will say it's something that I won't say, but you get that they're talking about dung. Okay. I want you to understand dung. I want you to, I don't want you to smell it. I want you to think about dung. <laughs> I want you to get in your head what it is. Okay. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want you to think it's something nice. It's not. You know what we do with dung? We discard it. You know what we do with dung? We, 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 we get it out of sight. 
I grew up in Brackenridge. Brackenridge has a malfunctioning sewer. And has had that for probably 30 years. And I remember it, the sewer is located extremely close to the Housing Commission houses across the road. And you've probably driven past it many times. But there's some trees planted out the front and you, if you don't look carefully, you might notice that it's there. But I want to tell you, growing up in Brackenridge, uh, if the wind got just the right direction... Uh, uh, the looks on people's face would change. Uh, uh, dogs would stop in the street. Uh, 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 people would, mid-conversation, stop. And, and I, can remember, I can remember riding my bike and you'd hit that smell and you felt like you rode into a wall. And it's just, I mean, when it happens, and you, everybody knows when that, it's like, and it's dung. I mean, they use another word, but you know what I'm saying. It's dung. It's dung. And I'm just saying we, dung, dung is something we don't, it's distasteful. We lay it aside. Uh, we put it out of sight. The Jews had a dung gate because it had to be a certain place away. That's just what you did. And that's dung and it smells and all of that. But what happens here is that to produce fruit in this tree... Uh, there is a consenting that the tree can be dunged. Because there's something in the dung that the tree needs if it's going to produce fruit for the master. The dung will not produce the fruit. But the effect the dung has on the tree will make the tree fruitful. You know, in your life, you might have been dunged. You might be looking back on some things that have happened and, and you would say, that, that, yeah, I got dunged. That was it for sure. In fact, you may have been dunged a few times in a few different ways. I've, I've been dunged in the church. I remember when I first got saved, I'd never met Christians before in my life. When I first got saved and I met some Christians, I thought they were the most beautiful people in the whole world. And, and I think they were at that time. They were loving. They were, I, I, I'd never met a group of people who just seemed to be that way. And, uh, and uh, it led me to the illusion that they were always that way. Uh, but, but hanging around long enough, and if you've been in any church long enough, uh, you realise that sometimes even in church, you can have something happen or be treated in a certain way, uh, maybe from people, and it shouldn't have happened, but it did, and you got dunged. And nobody likes that. Because dung's not a good thing. Or you went through a relationship or you had something happen in your childhood. I can reflect back on my childhood. I won't tell all the stories, but, but, but let me tell you, I got dunged. I got dunged. 
And what the parable is telling us here that, that sometimes what the master does, he consents to allow that. And he allows that to happen because that tree that got dunged is actually going to become very fruitful. And it's actually going to turn into something very useful. And you know that God's ultimate goal for you is for you to be fruitful. Okay, The ultimate goal for many Christians is to have a life of pleasure and peace and be left alone. And then get heaven when they die. Okay, But that's different to what God has in mind for you. Actually what God wants from you, he wants you to have a useful, fruitful life now. He, he wants you to have a life where you're doing something and living in a way and producing something that brings glory to him and you ought to want it too because it leads to reward in heaven and one of the most underestimated things amongst God's people is reward in heaven. I've heard God's people say stupid things. I've heard people say, well, you know, Brother Wayne, you just give me a little shack down the back of heaven, I don't mind. Just, just put me in a little tin shack down the back and as long as I'm in heaven, bless God, I, I don't mind. You're going to be ashamed when you confront your saviour and you're confronted with the miserable, selfish life you lived when he gave his all for you. And you ought to wake up now before your chances are gone and you get to heaven and other people get rewards and you just get to heaven. And you might not think that will bother you. It'll bother you enormously because it's something you'll wear for eternity. And you only get now to decide what you do and what you're going to have. And God is trying to give you the best chance you can have to have a good time in heaven by positioning you to be fruitful right now. And we foolishly don't understand the things we have God has prepped you for fruitfulness and, and all you can see is that some bad stuff happened to you in your life. And we don't understand. The dung can fall out to be a blessing. I grew up in poverty with an alcoholic dad. My mum would go and work at the cannery through the day over at Nudgee. It's about closed now. Stand on a feet all day moving fruit around with hundreds of other ladies, putting them in cans, come home, whip up a quick dinner and go to a second job. And I mean, it, and just it was basically we were poor. It was a life of not having things that other kids had. It was a life of not being able to go on the school excursions that other kids went on. And that was just normal life. You say, brother, you got dunged. Maybe. Maybe, but God has used that and has put me in a third world country where I'm surrounded with people who live in poverty and struggle and, and daily. And my own, my own time of being dunged has produced something in me that has fallen out unto fruitfulness. I thought about it today. Uh, today in Thailand is payday. We have some men live on the church property and uh, they're all married, have uh, children. And 
One of the men rang me up today, and this is not an easy thing to do. And he rang me up today and he said, uh, he doesn't speak English, he only speaks Thai. He said, uh, can, can I talk to you? Is now time to talk? Can we talk? And I said, we can, we can talk. What is it? And he said, uh, he said I, I, uh, I don't know what to say, uh, but I, I don't have any money. And he said, would it be okay if I didn't pay the rent on the, on the house uh, this month? Now, he pays $50 a month uh, rent on the house, which kind of probably doesn't cover his electricity. We just cover it, but that's his contribution. He said, uh, he said if, I, if I pay that, uh, we, will have, we will have no money left for food for the rest of the month. We will not have anything. And he has a wife and a child. Now, when I heard that, I flashed back to my life and I flash back to the humiliation when you have to call someone and explain a situation like that and, and the, the embarrassment and, and I well felt his pain and I said that'll be fine no, no problem that will be fine and uh, when we hung up the phone he was thankful and sent me a message you know, thank you, thank you And I said, I understand. I understand what it's like. Folks, if I hadn't been dunged in some areas, I wouldn't be serving God in the places where I serve tonight. And I want to say to you that all the times you've been dunged, okay, God did not do that to you, but God allowed that to take place. The only time it doesn't have any value is if it doesn't fall out under some fruitfulness. I know there are people here tonight living in horrendous marriages, caught between conviction that you need to see it through and don't go anywhere, but living a terrible torment, and I know that. And I know there are many, many stories here tonight, and many of you have been dung. But I'm trying to say to you tonight that God has demonstrated himself that what what is bad and smells bad, and I'm not asking you to call it good, but I'm saying, can you see that God has consented unto this because that is doing something to you that he wants to use for great fruitfulness? And it's a terrible waste of a life to have a life where you were dunged and it not fall out unto fruitfulness. And the problem we have in Australia is that people want to stand around talking about the dung. And we're obsessed about the dung. And we we need to get counselling about the dung. And we tell each other, you know, I I got dunged. Yeah, I I I got dunged too. Yeah, no, but mine was worse than yours. (laughs) And and we cling to our dung because we got got dunged. Listen, we all got dunged. We all got dunged. Well, well, why don't you talk about your dung? I don't want to talk about my dung. I want to live a fruitful life for my master. 
And, and I'm not in denial it happened, but that doesn't define my life. That's just something that came my way. And you say, well, well, well preacher, it, it, it weakened me. Well, if it weakened you, it strengthened you. Because he said, when you're weak, you're strong. And, and, and it's intended to fall out under good. You know, we go to, we go to people for wisdom. You, you, you say, where do they get it from? They got dunged. That's how they got it. They, they, they didn't get that wisdom out of a book. It doesn't just fall out naturally. People that we go to who understand things and seem to have it somewhat together are the people who were dunged. Just like you. You're them, but you're just not where they are yet. And it's time to stop obsessing about the dung. Well, I had this child. I have one too. And, 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 and you know, I had, I had this happen in a relationship. Others did too. Yeah, yeah, but, but mine was bad. I'm sure it was, but somebody's was worse. And the embarrassment of our eternal future is going to be we're going to go to God and offer lame excuses why we were not fruitful and God's going to say, just stop. Because let me, this person here had what you had. But they had it worse. But they lived a fruitful life for me. And we, we've got to wake up and understand if you got dunged, the Lord allowed that. And, and there's an, it's got a purpose. What happened to you can fall out under a good thing. Okay, the master wants you to be fruitful. And you can. You can. You can. You say, well, I feel debilitated. Then walk with a limp. I mean, how many times I've prayed, uh, God, I, I'm a wreck. And, and I'm, I'm only telling him what he knows. And God, sometimes my mind is just, you know, I, I, I think I've got mental health issues, Lord. And, and I'll pour it all out. In fact, I, and the more I get worked out, in fact, I'm probably not stable. And I don't even know I should be doing this when you're not stable. And I wait for the answer. And God never answers me about any of that. But I've heard him say something again and again and again. And what I've heard him say is, keep going, Wayne. That's it. We don't need to talk about all this, Wayne. I know what you are. And I know what happened to you. And I know what you battle with and I know what you feel, Wayne, just keep going. I remember Brother Fisher said to me, he said, you know, Brother Shemish, he said, I go through the mental torment so bad sometimes. And he said, I would uh, wake up and I'd think, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't keep going anymore. And I remember listening and he said, I'd say to myself, 
One more day, Doug. Come on, Doug, you can do one day. Just one. One day. And he said, brother, I get up and I just do one more. And he said, then tomorrow comes around. And I say, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I tell myself, one more day, Doug. You can do one day. You know, I don't know how many times my tithes have said to me in Thailand, one more day, Doug. They'll say, one more day, Doug. I'll go, "Mm, one more day. And you know what happens by the grace of God when you do one more day and one more day and you keep going, Wayne, and you keep going, Wayne. You get to the end of your life and you find out that though you were dunged, God has made you fruitful. God has made you fruitful. But if you can't get past the dunging, you can't progress to the fruit. And you just need to understand it's just his way. He just lets it happen. You say, well, I I don't think dung is a good thing. Well, I don't think dung is a good thing either. You say, well, I just find the whole idea of dung distasteful. Well, I do too. You know, and, but, 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 but I got it on my tree. I got it on my tree too. One more day. Keep going for God. God wants you to be fruitful, folks. The time is running out. It's time to stop talking about the dung. Hi, I'm Wayne Shemish. Good to be here today and I, I got dunged. You know, we got dung groups, dung support groups, <laughs> flavours of dung. Yeah, I, I, I got dung. I got dung too. Yeah, but the cow that dung me, man, I don't know what he was eating. It was bad. <laughs> I'm talking mama's bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. The whole dung thing is bad. But God is able to take that and make something very fruitful with your life. What you were dunged with is probably the very thing waiting to come out of you that God is going to use for greatness. Trust God. That's his way. I look back now on all the things that happened as I'm turning 60 this year. And I think he's used it all. It fell out under good. He's given me some compassion, some mercy, some understanding, some care. I've, I've walked into slums and carried people out. But Ty said, don't go in, don't, don't do it, don't go. And I mean, God is just, because I got dunged, it's really what you do with it. But if you keep obsessing over the dung, you're not going to get onto the fruitful life. And maybe you will even say this, God, I don't feel very good about all that that happened, but I feel very good about you. And I can see that you can even use this for a good thing in my life. Let's bow for a word of prayer and uh, I'll be done tonight. Thank you for listening. Paul said, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, 
the things that happened unto me have fallen out unto the gospel. I think he had to say that because probably some folks were focused on what was happening instead of how God was using what was happening. What is our heads about and our eyes are closed? How many here tonight would just say, Oh, preacher, I just do feel that maybe God put his finger on some things here tonight with me and, and uh, I, I acknowledge that and I do believe the Holy Spirit said something to me tonight. If that's you, would you show me that God spoke to you tonight? Is it, right, I see many hands across. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray together and then uh, we'll have a song. Father, thank you for your word and thank you mostly for the marvellous way it reveals you to us. Lord, we, uh, we praise you. You're just good, good, good in all your ways. Lord, you were not just God for a pre-fallen world where no one had sinned, but Lord, you're God for people who have sinned and have brought up in a world of sin. And Lord, you, you, you have the answers we need. I pray tonight for all those who are here Lord, I'm certain that your desire is that each one would be fruitful. And I pray, Lord, if some people need to get set free tonight, that you would do that. I pray, Lord, if some just need to, if, the, if you've said to some tonight, enough of this, talk no more, then I pray they'd receive that. I pray, Lord, take the hard thing and by thy hand and by thy spirit, turn it unto a great thing that would result in abundant fruitfulness. Bless you people here tonight, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.